Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. The following is a CA original. Pouncer, the Palm Squad. Pre- and post-game parties on Beale Street. It's all part of the Memphis Tigers basketball game day experience. This is the Tiger Basketball Podcast. What's happening, Tiger Basketball fans? We are back for another edition of the Tiger Basketball Podcast I'm Mark Giannato, sports columnist for the Commercial Up Appeal. I'm joined, as always, by our Tiger basketball beat writer, Jason Munns. We are coming to you in the aftermath of the first exhibition game of the year for these Tigers, a 69-60 win over Christian Brothers that felt uh, yeah, a little too close for comfort, um, but... Uh, it was untelevised, so only the lucky, whatever, few thousand that were uh, in FedEx Forum got to got their first glimpse at Penny Hardaway's new-look roster. So uh, on this week's episode, Jason and I will break down what we saw, what our takeaways were, how much we read into you know, the performance by these Tigers um, as they get ready for their sex- second exhibition game this weekend against Lane College and Andre Turner and look ahead to the season opener on November 7th against Vanderbilt. We'll also talk about the uh, situation, the eligibility situation involving Demarie Franklin. Um, uh, Jason had some uh, very interesting reporting on that over the past week. And also we, we got some recruiting news, another commit for next year's recruiting class, as well as a, a big showcase for uh, Bronny James and Ashton Hardaway, Penny's son, over in Collierville over the weekend. So plenty of stuff to get to, Munns. But let's start with the exhibition game. I almost called it a scrimmage because it felt like that's how the Tigers kind of treated it. Um, But what were your thoughts uh, in the aftermath of that exhibition game that Penny called a, quote, blessing? because of the film, he can use it as motivation for his guys after uh, everyone involved seemed to admit, concede that they just totally overlooked Christian brothers and didn't really play hard enough. What did you, what did you, what, what did you take away from it? Well, I don't want to discount uh, what Penny said about um, how, you know, that, that it could be uh, a blessing, I believe is the word that he used. Um, I don't want to discount that, but at the same time, it's kind of incumbent upon him and the rest of the team now to make sure that it was a blessing and not a, and not foreshadowing, you know, like um, it was, it was very, it was just kind of very disjointed. And, and like, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to, I've chosen I in the moment I felt this way. And ever since then I haven't wavered. Um, I don't, I'm not going to overreact to any, to really anything that we saw. Um, you know, I mean, I, I think some of the stuff we saw felt real, you know, 22 points out of Kendrick Davis, six assists, you know, that feels real. 
Um, whatever DeAndre Williams did, I forget however many points he had. Um, you know, him him playing well, and then ultimately fouling out before the game. You know, bef- late in the game, that felt real. That felt like <laughs> both things felt real. Yeah. yeah. Right, yeah. right, exactly. Um, but you know, there's a lot of stuff there that that I don't I don't just want to uh, grab hold of it and take it to the bank. I mean, they got I don't I don't remember if they got out rebounded by Christian Brothers. They didn't, but, but it was close. It was close. Yeah, right. Uh, and it shouldn't have been. That roster, Christian Christian Brothers didn't have. Any, they may have been listed at six seven, one guy or two. They didn't have anyone. They they didn't have anyone who was taller than six five six six out there. It felt like. Yeah, um, yeah. They Memphis out rebounded Christian Brothers forty four forty. I'm not going to put a ton of stock into that. It just it's not something that that just feels more like a like an aberration than anything else. Um, yeah, I mean, and the other thing is something else that I I in this case heard that I believe. Um, is the fact that they didn't they didn't take Christian Brothers very seriously? Like, it's almost like they saw the starting lineup and sort of off the, you know off they went with that. Like, you know, the starting lineup: Kendrick Davis, Alex Lomax, Jaden Hardaway, DeAndre Williams, and Malcolm Dandridge. It was almost like that. Which, was by the way, of, was they they started the first half and second half of that lineup, and it was horrible both times. Did not. Yeah, work. yeah. And it's almost like that was kind of where they took their first cues when they saw the, the starting five. It was like, oh well. I mean, you feel like I'm off base there. Like maybe that was. Well, I think it's natural to not take Christian Brothers seriously. I mean, it's a Division two team. Like that's just. Yeah. The reality. No, I think the two things that were, and I'm not totally worried about them for different reasons, but the two things that stood out, I think, were one, the shooting. Everyone's kind of worst fears were sort of, at least for one game, realized. They were two for 19 from three-point range. They shot 35% from the field. Um, The fears about not having shooters felt real in that game. Um, But I would counter... I didn't expect, frankly, I don't expect them to have a good shooting team this year. You can just look. This is not like a bunch of freshmen coming in. These are a bunch of guys who played a lot of college basketball. And other than Kendrick Davis, most of them have never hit consistently been able to hit from outside. Like, that's not going to be this team's strength, um, ultimately. Um, uh, And the other thing was the lineups, because they played a lot of different lineups. And I would say to that, like, isn't that what exhibition games are for? Like, ultimately, like, I know there's history there with Penny and with his, you know, he can sometimes use funky lineups. But, like, in this case, I got no problem with him trying out some different things. That is that is literally what the exhibition season is for. Um, so, till, till we get to, like, the Vanderbilt game, you know, I'm not going to judge his lineups. I'm just not, you know, like, because he's test. you know, that he should be using the exhibition games to test drive some stuff if he feels he that's what he wants to do. Um, So I look at it like that. And I still, I mean, nothing about how I felt, nothing in terms of how I felt about this team going into that game changed coming out of it because it was a 69 60 dog fight. I still firmly believe 
if Kendrick Davis and DeAndre Williams are healthy and this is an elite defensive team, they will be a very they will be a good team this year. They will be an NCAA yeah. tournament team, second best in the AAC with a chance of maybe, you know, flirting with cha- you know, maybe maybe they can challenge Houston if things break right, you know, that type of thing. Um in the in the, in terms of winning a conference title. Like that that's how I feel. I think they have two guys in Kendrick Davis and DeAndre Williams who if healthy, if they're not in foul trouble, that's like they're two guys that any team in the country would love to have as their two lead dogs. Um, and I thought Penny made, and you know, I think an accurate point in that game the other day. If he wanted to go win by thirty, he could have just started calling plays for D, for Kendrick Davis over and over and over again because Christian Brothers couldn't guard him. Um, but he wanted to see what other guys look like, and so I, I I don't come out of that exhibition game worried, except for if you want to worry about the shooting, I think that's very real. But I, I think any sort of assumption that they're going to be a decent or good shooting team is silly. I don't think this is going to be a good shooting team. They are going to that is going to be the weakness of this team that they are going to have to figure out how to work around. I think that maybe you know occasionally they'll have a good shooting night, but like more often than not, they are not going to be re- able to rely on hitting a bunch of three pointers to beat someone. And that's well, why I think they're going to have to be elite defensively. What would it take for you to change your mind? I think I'm, I'm interested to like is is there a is there anything this team can do? For, like yeah, Kendrick shooting? Davis could get hurt. No, no, no. Or DeAndre Williams could get hurt. From a shooting perspective, like, is there anything? How much would it take for you for them to do to convince me they're going to be a good shooting team? Yeah. Um. I mean, they'd have to do it consist like, you know, five, six games in a row type of thing, probably. I mean, the aver- the numbers are the numbers. I don't think Keontae Kennedy is gonna gonna be- suddenly become a great three point shooter here at Memphis. He's played four years of college basketball and wasn't a great three point shooter in any of them. I don't think Elijah McCadden is gonna become a great three point shooter all of a sudden. He's played four college basketball seasons and hasn't been a good shooter. I don't think Alex Lomax is going to become a good three-point shooter all of a sudden. He's played four college seasons and hasn't been a good three-point shooter. I guess you could maybe say, you know, DeAndre, one facet of his game, I was going to ask him this next time I talked to him, that's kind of waned. Like his first year here, it felt like he was good for a timely three every game. Mm -hmm. And it feels like that part of his game has gone away. And I'd be curious if that was – intentional like he doesn't even take threes anymore um but so but like my gut tells me he's not going to become some high you know like that's not going to change for him in year 26 of his life um and then um you know i mean where else on the roster we go i mean i guess maybe jonathan lawson could be a wild card but i can't imagine jonathan lawson's gonna make up for the loss of like landers nolly lester quinones tyler harris by himself you know like I just think you look at the roster, you know, even Demarie Franklin, who we'll talk about here in a little bit, like go look at his career. He's played a bunch of college seasons. None of them has he been a good three-point shooter. Like that's just the reality. It's the it is the weakness on this roster that they are going to have to scheme around. And I think also it's why they're going to have to be great defensively. That's how you overcome it is you get in dogfights with teams. Um, you know, like I don't think th- I don't think this is going to be the prettiest Memphis basketball team we've seen, 
but that doesn't right. mean it can't be a successful Memphis basketball team. That's that's yeah. kind of how I feel, especially when you have a guy like Kendrick, who you can you feel like you can say, you know what, go get a bucket for us. They haven't had that since Jeremiah Martin was here his senior year, where you could just give the ball to a guy and go, go get us a bucket, you know, and that's right, what Kendrick right. Davis can do for you. Yeah, like go stop a run. Like we need you, we need you to yeah. nip this in the bud, or we need a we need a spark, you know, whatever. Um, that is Kendrick Davis. Now the other part of uh, Sunday's game that was like a big talker um, was and has been a, 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 on the tip of everybody's tongue for the majority of, of the last month or two months or whatever it's been is how. How are Kendrick Davis and Alex Lomax going to coexist? How are they going to work together mm-hmm. when they're on the floor? Because Penny has said, multiple people have said more than once that they're going to play uh, quite a bit together. And it didn't. It didn't. Uh, I mean, it didn't look great, right? Like they didn't. Yeah. They didn't seem to complement one another super well. Now, I think this where I stand on that is it was one game. It was an exhibition game. Um, yeah, I mean, like it looked a little bit disjointed and neither one of them, again, neither, they didn't, they didn't like, they weren't necessarily feeding off each other or they weren't, they weren't helping one another be the best versions of themselves while they were on the floor together. But I don't, I don't, I don't think that you throw that away, um, just based on one just based on the very first time they ever are on the floor to, you know, on the same team together. I don't, I don't think you abandon that at all. Yeah, no. And I think when I talk about how do you scheme around it, that's maybe one of the answers is like Kendrick has to play off the ball. Like I think in terms of scheming around your three point shooting, especially if you don't have Demarie Franklin, I think that's a big variable in this ALO discussion. I think if you yep. have Demaria Franklin at your disposal, you'll see less of those ALO Kendrick Davis lineups. If you don't have them at your disposal, I think you're going to see it quite a bit because Kendrick, you know, even though he didn't shoot the three ball well in that exhibition game, he is the one guy on the roster who has a track record of shooting it well from three point range. So um, I, 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 you know, I'd say you, you probably should give it time because as weird as it is to say, again, if Demari Franklin's not available, I think that's a lineup that probably needs to sort of work for Memphis um, if it's going to have the type of season it wants to have. It's not as important if Demari Franklin's available, I think. that That's what my yeah. gut tells me. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, it was interesting seeing them paired together. And the real test, honestly, will be like going against the Christian Brothers' backcourt, their size wasn't a really – a detriment, you know, like the fact that you're playing two guys, you know, I know Kendrick is a little bigger than Tyler Harris and Memphis, you know, has off, you know, often played Alo and Tyler Harris together, but still you're talking about two guys who are under six foot together. It, the test is going to be when they go, when they use that lineup and go up against a team with a couple six, two, six, three guards, you know, and, or like a six, two point guard and a six, five, two, you know, and how they're, how they handle, hold up defensively as a team with that going on. But I would say get used to it. I think I think Penny's going to go to that backcourt quite a bit this season. Uh, you know, I don't know if he'll start it every game, but 
I, I think you're going to see him go to that lineup, whether you like it or not. Um, and I do think I can see why he would go to it, especially if Demaria Franklin is not available. I can yeah. see, like, I don't think it is unreasonable to go to that lineup because you need shooting and ke- getting Kendrick Davis off the ball might help you. You know, it might help him make his life easier when he's not, you know, when you bring the ball up and you're the number one option, you know, you're a little easier to to defend as opposed to when you're moving without the ball and you've got another creator. Um, because that's what I, the other thing I found interesting about the game, if we're going to go as we dive deeper into it, like one thing they're sort of lacking is like another shot creator, you know, like it, Keontae Kennedy and Elijah McCadden did some nice things in that game. And I think Keontae Kennedy in particular generated some good looks. Some of them didn't go down early, but when they pulled away late in the second half, it was keyed by Keontae Kennedy's offense. He hit a three. He had like a nice bucket in tra- a dunk in transition. He, had, you know, so that was interesting to me. McCadden is just what they said he was, you know, he's like kind of a, not great at any one particular thing, but it just has kind of a nose for the ball and like does a lot of little things out there. Like you can, you can win with a guy like that. You know, that's how I kind of look at him, but he's not like a great three point shooter. He's not great at any one thing, um, right. but I was encouraged by him. You know, the bigs, I think that seems to be an up for grabs position. You saw Malcolm play the five. You saw KO play the five. You saw Chandler Lawson play the five. Um, and I thought, you know, I thought KO did some interesting things, um, and looks like in terms of the team ceiling, it feels like it might be highest with KO. Now, I don't know what the floor might be the lowest because he's can be, he he seems pretty raw, but what he does defensively blocking shots, how active he can be, that feels like, you know, it feels like he could be, you know, if they can really narrow his focus in terms of what he's doing on the court that could be a viable option i thought chandler lawson held up well all things Mm -hmm. considered malcolm didn't look great i thought um in this first game neither did Jaden hardaway um he didn't have a good game um alo was kind of you know hit or miss felt like he's still working his way back from that ankle surgery to be quite honest um anyone else stick out to you that you can think of Jonathan Lawson was kind of, you know, he was fine. You know, he didn't do anything terrible, but also didn't necessarily stand out. Um, I can't think yeah. of anyone else. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I do think though that we, that not just us, but um, yeah, no, I thought Chandler uh, Lawson played, played. He was solid. You know, he was like, the I, guy who closed the game at the five position. Ultimately, like that's who Penny went with the last six, seven minutes of the game. Um, and the game, frankly, was you know not it wasn't in doubt, but it was still competitive. You yeah. know, at that point. Yeah. No, no, he he looked comfortable out there, and the 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 guys around him seemed like they were comfortable with him out there. Um, you know, his line was what it was: four points on two of four shooting, six rebounds, um, one assist. I mean, that that feels like what you're probably going to get, you know, maybe a little north of that in both points and rebounds, um, you know, going forward. But, like, especially, and that's especially if Malcolm, um, you know, isn't going to 
be in the kind of shape he needs to be in, whether that's physically or mentally, to uh, log significant minutes. I mean, Malcolm played what eleven minutes in the exhibition game. Uh, yeah, didn't play. Didn't play after the first couple minutes of the second half either. Like right, right. He yeah. sat for the last eighteen minutes of the game, and Chandler Lawson um, total played twenty minutes. So um, mm-hmm. I, I, I thought that he uh, was was. You know, it was nice to have him um, for Memphis. And then, yeah, I mean, like we talked about Keontae Kennedy and or you talked about Keontae Kennedy, Elijah McCadden. Um, I think those two guys combined, they were seven of 13 from the floor. Uh, And, you know, they just gave you they gave you. You know, some production, and that's really if they can do that sort of thing night in and night out, sometimes a little better um, than, then, you know, if that's their floor, then that's, I think that's going to be okay. It's just, they're going to need to be really good defensively as you pointed out. So, yeah. Um, but I feel like, I feel like we've talked an awful lot about DeMarie Franklin without really talking about him. Yeah. What, so what tell cool people, and you've done some good reporting on this situation. He feels like the a wild card for this season because when you talk to people behind the scenes, they're like, this guy would be probably a starter for us, but he has not been ruled eligible by the NCAA yet. Explain to us, explain to listeners what is going on there and uh, how you see this playing out. So basically he uh, went to his previous, he was at the university of Illinois, Chicago before. And, uh, wanted to transfer and his he went to his coaches and said i want to transfer and they said no 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 no. what do we got to do to keep you and he's like well you can set me up with some nba workouts this summer you know help me with the uh help me test the draft waters and this is all according to his father johnny franklin who i talked to uh, quite a bit um over the last couple of weeks and then they said, OK, what else can we do for you? And he said, well, you can maybe go out and get some players that I want to play with. And they're like, OK, cool. Tell us, you know, give us some names and we'll go do that. Well, you know, time goes by and neither one of those things happen. And so they they get frustrated. Demaria gets frustrated and says, OK, look, here's here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to stay here for the fall semester. But then once I graduate in December, I'm leaving. I'm going to transfer because I can go anywhere I want and nobody can tell me, you know, no rule is going to prohibit me from playing from transferring somewhere as a midseason, uh, as a midseason transfer. And when that happened, uh, UIC revoked his scholarship and he had no choice at that point, but to transfer because he couldn't afford to pay, uh, out of pocket tuition. So he came to Memphis. Usually, when a program terminates a player's scholarship for any reason, they sign off on a form that's called a non-participation opportunity. Basically, uh, the, the quote-unquote runoff waiver. Now, technically, UIC did not exactly run DeMarie Franklin off by the letter of the law, but you know they revoked his scholarship. And, um, and so... Because, you know, usually when they sign that non-participation opportunity, that's all the NCAA needs to grant that particular player immediate eligibility. Well, UIC won't sign it. 
I talked to somebody uh, very recently um, at Memphis who told me that they're simply not budging. Um, they, they mm-hmm. you know, people were people were kind of holding out hope um, that maybe the folks over at UIC would think better of their decision over the, you know, things would happen over the weekend. They'd come to their senses, realizes, realize it wasn't in their best interest to not sign off on the form, but that hasn't happened. And and now uh, it seems Memphis has decided they're going to take another route to try and get him eligible. And that's going to be applying to the NCAA directly to the NCAA for a waiver. Um, and based on what I'm told, I can't really say, you know, go into specifics too much, but based on what I've been told, Demaria has got a pretty compelling case, um, for one of these waivers, uh, from the NCAA. There's all sorts of documentation that they're getting in order to provide to the NCAA. And based on, again, based on, you know, from what I'm hearing, uh, I would be very surprised if the NCAA were to deny this particular waiver request. Now, the reason Memphis wanted to go the other route first is because that is much quicker. It, if, if mm-hmm. you can get if you can get UIC to sign off on that form, it's almost instantaneous. Like the eligibility comes very quickly. This way, it can take you know up to five weeks. From what I've been told, gotcha. so, so he could miss the beginning of the year at this point. Now he could, yeah, like it could be sometime in December before he's, you know, if he's going to become eligible, it could be December. It could come sooner, but it could be up to, you know, the wait could come could go into December potentially. Uh, it's a real shame. It sounds like he should be eligible. Um, so um, yeah. it's a shame what UIC is doing. Um, and it's something that, you know, especially with the way the schedule is this year, you know, very unfortunate for Memphis. It's not like he's missing, you know, a bunch of bye games potentially. If he misses the first month of the year, he's missing, you know, five to seven, like, you know, of the biggest games of the season for Memphis in a lot of ways because of how their non-conference schedule is shaped this year. So, uh, Muns, yeah. I'm sure I'm sure you'll keep reporting this out. We'll see how it develops. Last but not least, Memphis got a commitment during the exhibition game. Give us a 30-second soundbite on the newest Memphis commitment. Name, position, and how you foresee him fitting in with the program moving forward. So uh four-star combo guard, Carl Sharon Font. Uh he goes to Calvary Christian in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. He, um, yeah, he committed during the exhibition game. Um, he's, you know, in talking to him and talking to people who are close to him, I talked, I had an interview with um, somebody who's known him since he was in the sixth grade, and and his his name is Steve Allen the third. He played basketball at Clemson, so he knows a little bit about basketball. Uh, played professionally overseas, that sort of thing. So when I talked to him, I kind of asked him for a scouting report on Carl and, you know, basically described him as a very athletic, uh, guard versatile guy who plays one through three at the high school level, more than likely he's going to play the, the one and the two, um, are going to be what he's, what he's going to play at Memphis. I would, I would suspect it's going to be more, um, the two than the one, but you know, he, he can handle the ball. He can distribute it. Um, 
the scouting, the, the uh, Steve, uh, Coach Allen, um, told me that he can score. Uh, you know, when you need him to, he does what you need him to. Essentially, he, he can score if you need him yeah. to. Um, he can distribute if you need him to. Um, but he said where he makes his where he makes his living is on defense. He's he's a very very dogged defender, very high basketball IQ type guy. Um, you know, seen seen as a leader. So yeah. definitely the lot, type of guy you want in your program. A lot more than 30 seconds there. Sorry. People are lucky, people are lucky to have you as a beat writer, Mons. Oh, I don't you know. know you got everything on these guys. You, you could tell me what you know what his favorite food is yet. Gosh, Mark, why'd you do that? Like I, you you were going so, I was going so well. <laughs> well, and then it's interesting how that class is shaping up. That's the second commitment in the class for Penny. Both incoming freshmen after he largely avoided that type of recruiting this last cycle. We also watched on Sunday Bronny James and his son Ashton Hardaway at Collierville High School, both of whom Penny is recruiting. And frankly, at Penny's availability last week, when asked about Ashton, you know, intimated that he would like him at Memphis. And and my gut tells me if Penny wants him at Memphis, he's going to end up at Memphis. Um so uh, we got to see them over the weekend. I, I would say this about Ashton. He, he inherited his father's length and his father's feel and IQ for the game. Did not, did not inherit his athleticism, but also appears least, to be a better shooter. Right. At least not yet. I mean, like, you know, there's still no, time. No, 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 no. To... Uh, he's a it's senior not... in high school. You'd know at this point if he had Penny's athleticism. That doesn't just – you don't just – develop that at at this age that doesn't happen so but he's a nice prospect he'd be a good ad for like like i don't mean this in a negative light to Jaden, but he's he'd be he's like not the same category as Jaden hardaway like he's the type of player if if he wasn't penny's son he'd be a guy memphis might recruit you know what i mean oh yeah Um, yeah like he's that caliber recruit and then Bronny james i think inherited a lot of what his dad has except height. He's like 6'2", 6'3". Um, but I thought looked like a really good college prospect uh, out at Collierville. And it would be, you know, I don't know if I would call Memphis the favorite to land him, but hell, it would be something if they did. And I don't count yeah. him out in it. Uh, that's for sure with Ashton and him playing together. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, I thought he was, you know, he showed a good feel for the game. Bronny did. He can shoot. He can drop. You know, he's 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 uh, he attacks the basket. Um, plays hard. Plays uh, plays hard defensively. So, um, yeah, it, it he 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 was a good looking uh, prospect. And Penny was there, front and center, to watch it all. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that develops over the next few weeks. Both Ashton's recruitment. I don't know if Bronny's going to probably decide till the spring what he's doing next, but. Um, Will be fascinating to watch now that Penny's back in the uh, the freshman recruiting, if you will. Uh, the the you know he's true he's back to recruiting guys who are you know not just transfers um, this time around. So that'll be something to monitor as well. Munz will be all on top of it. We'll have uh, coverage from the exhibition game against uh, Lane College uh, and Andre Turner this weekend. Um, so make sure you are checking out uh, commercialappeal.com for that. Till next time, I was Mark. That was Jason. And just remember, it's not a re- these aren't real games. So calm down, relax.
Tiger Basketball Podcast is a production of the Commercial Appeal. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.